I want you to go with me over to uh, the book of Lamentations for a moment. We're going to talk about tonight returning to the benefits. Aren't you, aren't you glad that your God has the goods? Yes. Amen. I mean, still believe in the manifestation of his glory in these end times. His presence, his power, and his goodness. And he says, uh, in very powerful scriptures here, I'm just going to go to chapter 3. Verse 21, yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Let's make a mental note or a little jot in your Bible, your notebook tonight. He's talking about remembering something. Yes. He's talking about intentionally remembering what God has done in your life. And therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For His compassions... Always fail? Sometimes fail? They never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for Him. Now He's telling you to call into remembrance that God's loving kindness, His mercies are new every morning. And it's you and I have this, this challenge to, to remember what God has done. And how you know He's not done with you yet? Read on me over in Isaiah chapter 53. The reason we can take confidence in, in His benefits and what He does is because His benefits are attached to the covenant, which, of course, we know is purchased with blood. Say it with me. They're blood-bought, and they're irrevocable. For all the eternity, God will be good to you. Amen. Amen. Now, some of you are going to wake up at 3 o'clock in the morning. That's going to hit you. And you're going to shout right there, amen? Freak everybody out in your house. Chapter 53, verse 1, who has believed our message. Now, see, this is the key. I don't care how many good things we tell you or how many promises we point out or the goodness that God has in store for you. If you don't believe it, you can't believe it, you can't receive it, amen? But watch this. Just because somebody doesn't believe it doesn't mean that I'm going to walk away from it. Are you here tonight? Uh, our belief is not based on what somebody else does with it. No. So the message is, who has believed our message? That's the key. And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot, like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and familiar with suffering. Like one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. You know, basically, when you think about what happened to Jesus, there was no way to tell he was a man. There was no way to tell, you know, that he had features that were, that were healthy and normal. He was literally beat to a pulp for you and for me. And so I kind of get just, not offended, but just a little put out with people who would imply, I can't enjoy the benefits after my Lord went through this. It's near blasphemy to say, that we should not remember and enjoy his benefits after everything he did for you and for me. It's almost like, I know you did all this, but you know, I don't want all that. I don't need all that. Just, just take me to heaven one day and I'll be fine with that. It's almost blasphemy. Fortunately, blasphemy of Jesus is not the unpardonable sin. If it were, there'd be a lot of people in hell. Amen. Just from the church alone. Amen. But he says to you and to me, the absolute horror of what he went through. And surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows. And we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him and afflicted. Uh, the ignorance of man assumed that this was God's punishment on him, but it wasn't God's punishment on him. It was our punishment put on him. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace or shalom or wholeness was upon him. And by his wounds, we are, we're what? We're healed. Say it with me. We are healed. So Lamentations tells us, you know, to remember. Uh, Isaiah tells us, you know, is anybody going to actually believe our report? And the key to you and to me, walking in victories, believing the good things that God has said about us. There's always going to be a battle. And I want to tell you tonight, even in the body of Christ, there's a big lie out there. It says you can't have what he says you can have. You can't do what he says you can do. You can't be what he says you can be. And you have to recognize, amen, the smell of that lie is coming straight from hell. Yes. 
The Word of God declares that He has good things in store for you. He is in the minds to bless and prosper your life and, and heal and deliver. But it's all a matter of what you actually believe. You take the same person sitting in the same set of seats in the same church location, and one person walks in victory, and another person walks in defeat. And if you're not careful, you'll think, well, God has favorites, and this one is blessed because God wants this one to be blessed, and this one's not doing very well because God doesn't care about that one. No, one person did something with the promises, and the other one did not. Come on, shout out, I'm the one believing the promises of God. He goes on to tell us again, I want to say this, the punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are, we are healed. Now go over to Galatians 3 and put your eyes back on this redemptive scripture. Say it boldly, as for me, I'm just going to believe. Galatians chapter 3. Verse 13, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus, so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. So have you been redeemed tonight, church? Yes. In other words, what you read about in Isaiah 53, did it take? Yes. Raise your hand if you say it took. I believe it. It's real. It's for me. Amen. Well, it tells us we've been redeemed from the curse, which means the effects of the curse are no longer, amen, our inheritance, but the, what, the effects of the blessing are our inheritance. He dealt with the curse. He's left behind the blessing. And you and I can enjoy and should not only just think about uh, one dimension of what he's done for you, but think about every dimension and enjoy every dimension that he has for you. He's a good God. And he cares about every part of your life. Every part of your life. Think of it this way. When Israel came out, God had just, he could have just wiped everybody out and brought them out spiritually. Could he not? I mean, he could have wiped out the entire nation of Egypt and taken out Israel with him and then brought all of his people home and they would have been spiritually saved. But that's not how the narrative goes. He brought them out physically, mentally, emotionally. He brought them out spiritually. He brought them out financially. And in their period of wandering, they never went without anything. Now, it is absolutely ridiculous for us to think that all he cares about is our spiritual welfare. God cares about every part of your life. He does not divide us. He sees you as a multidimensional being, and he died for every part of you. Amen. What does that mean? It means that you should be enjoying his favor and his benefit in every aspect of your life, not just going to heaven one day. Amen. If you remember this, the narrative in Egypt uh, is not about heaven. There is yet a promised land for you and for me. But everybody can relate to that story because we've all been brought out of something. And we were not brought out of something and placed in some neutral territory called spiritual purgatory. You and I have been brought out to walk in the victory and the peace of God. Amen. The joy of the Lord that he gives us. Aren't you glad for that? He redeemed us, which means the price was paid past tense. Everybody say past tense. But yet Hebrews tells us in chapter 2 that, you know, how is it going to go well with us if we neglect so great a salvation? Everybody say, it's a great salvation. Romans 1.16 puts it like this. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Amen? Say, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation, unto soteria, which means soundness, wholeness. It's a parallel to Old Testament concept of shalom or peace, which means nothing missing, nothing broken. I'm not ashamed of the gospel because the gospel or the good news is the pathway into the good things of our soundness and our wholeness, our soteria. In other words, that is the gospel. There is no such thing as a gospel that tells you what God won't do. Amen. Uh, why do you have to say that? Because no matter what we teach as New Testament ministers of the gospel, there's always going to be that voice out there that tells you you can't have this, you can't walk in this, somehow everybody else is different than you. No, you're one of his favorites. 
Come on, confess it. I am God's favorite. And somebody say, I don't believe that. That's your problem. Say, I do believe it. Say, I am God's favorite. And that's the way it is. Now, when you think about this scripture, parallel in your mind to Psalm 103, and go over there with me if you would. Spend a little time there tonight. It's good to be a believer, and not a doubter. This first one, praise the Lord, all my soul, all my inmost being, praise His holy name. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits. <laughs> He's telling you that you should remember, never forget all His gifts. Let not all His blessings go from your memory. Never forget His acts of kindness. Rejoice and pursue all of His benefits. Praise and bless His name. Listen to what Stanley Horton said about this. He said, a good man will rouse himself to such exercise and coerce his more sensuous and sluggish faculties to their noblest use. Now listen to this phrase. Memory must especially be directed or it keeps woefully short-lived records of mercies. What does that mean? He's saying that we just don't remember what God has done the way we should. Especially, listen to this, of continuous ones. Memory must especially be directed or it keeps woefully short-lived records of mercies, especially of continuous ones. You know what is amazing? Our memory for when somebody offends us is long. <laughs> but when it comes to God's mercies to us, our memory seems to be short-lived. And what he's saying here is, don't forget his benefits. Now somebody would say, well, you know what? God just you know, saved you to forgive you and take you to heaven. None of this other stuff is in the atonement. You know, provision is not in the atonement. Healing is not in the atonement. Deliverance is not in the atonement. Protection is not in the atonement. Well, you believe what you want to believe about the atonement, and I'll believe what I want to believe about the atonement. Amen. All of that and more is in the blood of Jesus. Right. Blood-bought covenant provision. He doesn't care about all that stuff. He doesn't do all that stuff. Well, my reply is, it's too late. What the scripture is saying is, I did all this for you. You need to remember it. It's not what I will do. It's what I already have done. And what he's saying is twofold. First of all, you need to actually you know, realize I've done this and then expect me to do it again. What's outstanding about Psalm 103 is this is before he went to the cross. This is under the old covenant. If he can do all that under the old covenant, Think what he can do for you and for me under the new covenant. When blood has been shed, when the resurrection of Christ has been enacted, you and I are blessed people. Amen. The argument, he doesn't do that. He doesn't care about that stuff. That's fine, except for one thing. He's already done it. <laughs> time and time and time again. And he's telling you, remember what he's already done and expect him to keep on doing it. Forget not all his benefits. You know what happens is it keeps you mindful of his, his activity in your life. Y'all remember what you were like a few years ago? As a pastor, I've been here about, I know what some of y'all were like a few years ago, and there has been progress made. Well, who brought you? Who moved you for it? Amen. And yet all it takes is one lie from the devil to get inside your spirit. The next thing you know, you're not walking in victory anymore. You've lost your joy. You've lost your peace. The devil will tell you, well, God can't forgive that because you're supposed to be super Christian. How could you possibly have done that? I can't use you. I can't do anything with your life. It's a life in the pit of hell. It's the same voice that tells you God didn't care about you physically. You're on your own financially. If you've got a bondage or an addiction, yeah, good luck with that because I don't care about stuff like that. No, he cares about it all. Forget not what? Oh. All his benefits. We often teach that, hey, lay hold of those benefits and believe God. And you certainly should, and we'll talk about that. But the real emphasis from what you see in Leviticus, what you see in Isaiah, what you see in Romans 1.16, what you see in the scripture, is that your God wants you to recall what he has already done in your life. Come on, say, he's been good to me. Turn to somebody and say, he's been good to you.
He's been very good to you. And there's not a person in this room that uh, is anything like they used to be. Isn't that right? Has he changed you? Can I tell you something? 2023 is going to be supercharged with your transformation. You're going to see yourself cover much ground very, very quickly. With that transformation is going to come an anointing of acceleration that's going to hit this church like it's never hit before. Have you ever watched a Navy F-14 or modern times an F-18 come off the deck of a carrier? And the systems that they use, they're actually improving those systems all the time. And I mean, you are going from zero to flight speed just like that. Catapult. Come on, say it. I receive that catapult anointing in my life. It's all about transformation. Maybe you don't struggle, 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 hitting walls, hitting walls, hitting walls, hitting walls. You're going to have a year of transformation. And if you don't recognize yourself now from like 10 years ago or five years ago, within a few months of 2023, you're not going to recognize you from since December of 2022. And then some of you are married. That's probably a good thing, isn't it? Amen. Amen. I agree with that. Glory to God. Change. Transformation. Um, but it's all based on that atoning work of Christ. All of these things are in the blood. So if the blood was shed, and it was, then you should be thanking him for what he has already done and expecting what he will do. Amen. What you're talking about here in scriptures like Psalm 103, and that's not the only one. You can go you know, line upon line, precept upon precept, and you can find all kinds of atoning promises in scripture. These are just laid out in such a way that we can't miss the point. Look at, look at somebody and tell them, everybody can get this. Everybody. <laughs> it's just right there on the lowest shelf of our understanding, and yet people do miss this. What he's talking about is an extravagant life. Mm-hmm. Say it with me, extravagant. In Egypt, they lived in the land of not enough. You remember that. And when they crossed over, they lived in a land of just enough. Right? Were they supposed to stockpile the manna? No. What happened when they tried to stockpile the manna? What was God doing? Teaching them, you're going to depend on me. You're going to live on my words and not just on very long. You're going to live on what I say. They went from the land of not enough and couldn't even have enough straw to make bricks over there in Egypt to land of just enough to land of what? More than enough, a land that flows with milk and honey. Amen. But was God done then? No. He's now taking his people to the land of too much. He's a too much God. Write this word down. Extravagance simply means exceeding what is reasonable or appropriate. It means absurd in its measure. That's God's mentality towards you and me. He wants to give you an extravagant existence. And if you don't believe that, just read the descriptions of heaven one day. Uh, He desires that heaven be reflected here. It wasn't his idea to ruin this place with sin. In fact, if you were to just, uh, you know, beam down to earth about the time, you know, Adam and Eve were walking on this earth in the garden, you would say, man, this place is extravagant. Until sin hit it. Well, guess what? There is no sin in heaven. There's nothing in heaven to diminish the extravagance that is there. Does God really need gold streets? Does he? I mean, won't rock pavement do? I mean, I mostly my driveway is rock, you know. And then when the rains real hard, it washes the rock down the hill and I have to get more of it. But I can still drive on it. You know, pavement. We live in a part of the county where apparently we're second-class citizens because we never get paving. They just throw some tar and rock on it, you know, and kind of squish it down. I'm like, do we get tax breaks for that? No. They don't give us rebates, but they give us a little bit of rock. <laughs> Make those bricks. <laughs> Here's some straw. Make those bricks. Why does he need to have the gates that he has? Why does he need to have the streets that he has? Are you hearing that? He doesn't need to. It's a reflection of who he is. He is a too much God. 
And that nature of a too much God is reflected in his work in his people if we'll allow him to do so. But we have to find out what is ours in Scripture. We have to build our faith. We have to actually engage him and expect to see it and set aside any voice that would diminish his work in our lives. Look at somebody and tell him he's extravagant. Smith Wigglesworth says this, I have an extravagant God. He said with extravagant language to make an extravagant person. He said, I have an extravagant God with extravagant language to make what? You know what he was saying there? He was saying is if I want to go from what God has as an, as an extravagant God in every area of life to an extravagant life that I have, I have to have an extravagant language, which is the language of faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Amen. Aren't you glad you serve the one true living God? I ask you this, if an extravagant God with golden streets uh, can take care of all that is in heaven and feed the birds of the air, amen, who toil not, right? Yep. Can he not cause your life to be raised and elevated from where it is? Yes, yes he can. Can? Yes, he can. Sure he can. Uh, just so you'll be reminded, if, if you find it in the word, you found his will. That's so when you stumble across Psalm 103, you just found his will. Yes. It's his will that you function this way. And you and I know that because of sin and because of, you know, all the voices that are out there and because of the traditions of men and, and the ideas that would hold you back, it, it, you have to press through and, and walk in these things diligently. But if you keep on walking diligently, you'll see more of his goodness added to your life. Amen. Glory to God. Um, one of the things that you're going you're gonna to see is as you transform more than ever before in this new year, uh, people, and the Lord is saying not just people, but, but family members are going to be attracted to you. Now watch this. You think right now they hate you. They don't hate you. They're jealous of you. But the jealousy is going to give way to, I need to find out what they're doing. And you need to be prepared to tell them the goodness of God in your life. Share what he has done and keep sharing what he has done. Say it with me. I'm on my way to an extravagant life because that's the way my God is. You can have as much or as little of that salvation as you're willing to believe God for. You can have as much soundness and wholeness and peace and victory as you want. It's entirely up to you. The Bible says you work out your own salvation. Be fair and truly. I can give an altar call and I can say, you know what? There's new life in Christ Jesus. There's forgiveness. And a person can be there full of sin and reject it. It's not because of God. They didn't want it. They didn't take it. But even when the kids minister, there's a lady sitting over here. And when I gave you know, a response time, that arm shot up so fast, I thought her arm was going to come out of her socket. She was ready at the ministry of these kids. Don't ever underestimate the power of a child to minister. Amen. Amen. And the combination, I think, of, of the ministry and seeing the little ones baptized and demonstrating their public faith, I think it really opened up that heart. So praise the Lord for that. But I've been doing this a long time. I know there are some deadbeat uncles and grandmas and grandpas in that service that didn't respond. They, they had a chance. And they wouldn't take it. Now, for you and me that have been born again, we have at that table the baptism in the Holy Spirit. How many glad you took that as well? Yes. But you know, a lot of people won't take it. There's no present-day ministry of the Holy Ghost. You know, so-and-so preacher wrote a book and said it wasn't real. It doesn't make any difference what their book says. It's what this book says that matters. And you need to put yourself up to that table and take everything. But nobody's going to force-feed you. Amen. Say it with me. He's got benefits. And you can take as much or as little of that salvation as you're willing to believe for. No one can stop you. No one can limit you. Amen. You know, and Paul said it best. If anyone is preaching the gospel other than the one we preach to you, let him be a curse. If anyone is preaching anything but the good news to you, let him be a curse. Amen. 
So let's talk about some of these tonight. Say it with me. Not enough to just enough to more than enough to too much. He's too much. Do a study sometime through God's uh, dealings with his people and you'll see where time and time again it was not just scraping by. Amen. Good. Praise the Lord. Say, I believe. Read on with me in Psalm 103. Who forgives some of your sins? How many? A double L. The really bad ones, Pastor? Yep, the really bad ones. The really horrible ones? Yes. Uh, but you know, that's all relative, isn't it? You know, some people just say word out of turn and their heart falls under condemnation. Somebody else is a, a seared conscious and they can do the most heinous things and feel absolutely no pain and conviction whatsoever. According to James, if you violate one, you violate them all. Anybody here ever tell a, a tale or lie or stretch the truth? Raise your hand if you ever did that. Anybody ever did it after you were a Christian? That means you're a murderer, an adulterer, a fornicator, a killer. Wow, aren't you glad for grace? <laughs> now, there are a lot of religious people who don't like that. See, they want a hierarchy of sin, but it does not exist in the kingdom of God. There is holding to, and there's a violating, and the law shows us exactly just where we are and how bad it is, but we're under what? Grace. We're under grace, and we operate in that grace and favor, you know, by believing on the one that he sent. Aren't you glad you believe? Yes. Amen. Because now when God looks at you, he doesn't see all those compound sins. He looks at you through the blood, he sees his son. Amen. So when you're tempted to think, well, if I were perfect, then I could believe these things. If I were perfect, then I could tap into more of God. It's not your perfection. It's believing on God. And when you feel under conviction, well, you repent. You deal with that thing. Amen. I'm hearing some of the squirreliest theology come out these days. Um, and I'm like, you know, where are these crackpots coming from? Somebody needs to take their phone away from them, you know. <laughs> Instead of kicking Trump off of Twitter, these folks need to be kicked off of Twitter. Because, uh, I mean, just, you know, they'll really just begin to strain over things that are just ridiculous, like the, the name Sermon, for example. Well, did you know that Sermon's not in the Bible? Well, did you know that preaching and charisma and heralding and, and teaching is in the Bible? Sermon is just a name in the English that we give somebody when they're giving a religious talk. Anybody know what they call it in the Catholic tradition? A homily, or in the Lutheran church. You know what they say in, in, in Pentecostal churches? It's too long. <laughs> That's what they say. Um, homily is a little bitty, a short thing, you know. You would think all the homilies I ever heard growing up, I'd remember some of them. Isn't that funny? But I can't remember long messages. There's a reason for that. Amen. The value we give it sometimes and often is the value that people give it. Aren't you glad for the Word of God? So now we're nitpicking all these little things that don't matter. You know what? It didn't make any difference whether you call it a sermon or a talk or a message or a homily. What matters is that the good news is being preached. You know, why waste your time doing that? Why not just get on Facebook and talk to people who are lost and say, Jesus loves you and he'll forgive you of your sins? That seems to be an appropriate use of the time. Arguing over versions and translations. No, that's not the best use of your time. Say it with me. I thank God I'm forgiven. He forgives all your sins, pardons all your iniquities, forgives all your offenses, forgives all your wrongs, sins past, present, and future. Amen. You have been given a gift. It's called righteousness. Everybody in this room confess and say, I, I am, am righteous, righteous in Christ. In Christ. Say it again. I am, I am the, righteousness the righteousness of God, of God in, Christ. in Christ. Say it one more time. I am, I am the righteousness, righteousness of, God of God in Christ. In Christ. Amen. 
and the depths of his grace towards those that sin is extravagant. His mercies are new every morning. So when you blow it, don't run away. Run to him and fall down in his presence and repent. Because he's not going to run out of grace for you. He's the one that told you to remember. Remember what he's already done and remember that he can do it again. Amen. Anybody here thinks you, think they may need forgiveness in the future for something? See you. Now, the, the speed at which you held your hand up determines your intent to sin, I guess, right? No. <laughs> well, God, I'm not even going to get out of this service. Hallelujah. Thank God for the grace. <laughs> he forgives all of them. Amen. The murderer. The one that's had an abortion. Amen. The one who's been sexually immoral and illicit. You know, the one that, you know, robbed people and took advantage of people and mistreated people and abused people. Um, there are going to be people in heaven that, you know, some of you may think won't make it, but they're not there based on their track record. They're based on what they did with Christ. Amen. <laughs> yeah. And won't it be nice to meet them when they have a right spirit about them and they're no longer an alcoholic abuser, but they're walking around the streets of gold with, with joy and peace in their hearts. Amen. Whatever reunion that's going to be, have you ever thought about that? Hundreds and hundreds of your relatives going back in time who gave their lives to Christ. It's not just your mom and dad, grandma and grandpas. It's not just sons or daughters. We're talking about generations of people. All attached to you by not just natural blood, but by the blood of Jesus. Can you even imagine what that's like? Hallelujah. I mean, when they call for, a, you know, a Wagner reunion, they're going to have to rent out the big room. Yeah. Amen. And what about the Hatfields and McCoys? Thank God they won't be fighting up there anymore. <laughs> I mean, uh, the land we purchased out where we live actually belonged to Kentucky McCoys. Isn't that nice? Amen. I prayed over that land. <laughs> <laughs> took authority over that. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. Yes, amen. All your sins? Yes, all of them. He heals all your diseases. Write this down. All known and unknown. So why is that? Because every disease known and unknown came on his body at that moment. Could you imagine? It that moment, simultaneously, all the sin, past, present, and future, all diseases, known and unknown, on his body, he bore for you and for me. It's amazing he could last even a split second on that cross with that kind of weight of sin and the results of sin. See, this is why you and I should get real, real militant about this and so absolutely consistent in our confession and belief for healing is because of the price he paid. After what he did, don't dare tell me that he doesn't heal after what he went through. Does that make sense? Uh, there would have been different mechanisms for our redemption if it did not involve the body itself. But aren't you glad there's going to be even a resurrected body? Why not just heal us of spiritual death and we can float around for all eternity? You have to take that up with him. But your redemption includes your body. Amen. What a good God we serve. Amen. <laughs> Somebody said the other day, they said, they said, I'm not growing gray hair. I'm just growing tinsel. <laughs> Amen. Remember when tinsel was actually sold? Yeah all, yeah, all the environmental wackos kind of put a stop to that, but I like tinsel. I've got tinsel in my Christmas tree from the first year we were married. It's, it's still in the, in the limb, yeah, yeah. I, I like it, hallelujah. That's just craziness. But uh, I don't know what you'll look like. I don't know what age you'll be. These are all areas of speculation. All I know is if you have given your life to Christ, you're going to be there. Hallelujah. Amen. Body's going to work. Mind's going to work. You're not going to be emotionally ruled anymore. Amen. 100% whole. But that provision is not just for the other side. God has a plan and a purpose for your life. He's got things for you to do. Amen. And he's a healer and a restorer. 
So watch this. The longevity of the issue is not the determining factor as whether you can be healed or not. How severe it is is not the determining factor as to whether you can be healed or not. There are people in Scripture with long-standing issues, like the woman with 18 years, the woman with the issue of blood, received healing. What? Through the atoning sacrifice of Christ that was yet to be done. We're on the other side of this. We ought to believe. And there's a lot of confusion even in the body of Christ. Uh, there's a uh, denominational magazine that we used to put out years ago, and on the front cover was a story about how, how God took somebody's side away so he could glorify God, that person can glorify God. Further on in the same magazine, how God you know, gave somebody healing so God would be glorified. Make up your mind. Yep. You say, what would you do? That was the last day we put that magazine out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Somebody is confused about what the atonement actually is. You say, you know, even in movements like the Sims of God, we'll never come away from, from the doctrine of healing. Are you kidding me? It's already happening. Yeah. Calvinism is already moving in on the other issues of our atonement. How many of you know it's God's will to save all? Yes. That was pretty weak. Let me ask you again. How many of you know it's God's will to save all? Amen. It's God's will to heal all. Yes. Well, then why doesn't everybody get saved? That's not God's fault. Mm-hmm. Amen. You don't base your theology based on your experience. I know no one who has ever fallen into that trap where they walked in victory. It is not your experience. Do not put your experience above the Word of God. You believe God? Amen. Amen. Some people are hard. Some people, it takes a long time to reach them. Some people, you think they're never going to get saved, you know. Uh, I've seen some hard cases. Amen. Man, we had in Hopkinsville, and uh, he uh, got invited to church. Look at somebody and say, the power of an invitation. I'm going to say it again. The power of an invitation. Invited him to church. Lost as a goose. Amen. I think he is approaching 80 years old. Gave his life to the Lord one morning in an altar. Two weeks later, was baptized in the Holy Ghost. A few weeks later, he gave up a four-pack cigarette habit. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. A few months after that, diagnosed with a terminal disease and healed. That's a lot for somebody in his late 70s, early 80s. Amen. Yes. <laughs> in other words, it doesn't make any difference how old you are or what you have done. No. Hallelujah. God is good, and he is the same yesterday, today, today and forever. And I believe that he forgives all my sins. I believe he heals all of my diseases. That doesn't mean everybody's going to believe that. But don't let somebody else, unbelief, move you off the scriptures. These things are just too important. The um, last great move of God we'll see in this land is going to be very much intensive in the area of healing. So get your hands ready. Praise the Lord. Or Roberts would after hours, eventually just sat down as he laid hands on people. I mean, for hours and hours and hours. And eventually had to even support him from falling out off a stool, you know. And I mean, by the end, he was just spent 100%. Well, that's not a picture of a special chosen vessel of God. That's a picture of what God's getting ready to do in our generation. That was just a forerunner. (laughs) Amen. Can you imagine people knocking on your door at 3 in the morning? I heard there's healing here. Huh? Does it, did it happen in Jesus' day? Yes. Did it happen long before Jesus came on this earth? Did it happen in the days of Naaman? He heard there was healing in the land of Israel. And he came. And he went away and received him. Praise God. No matter what disease, named, unnamed, known, or unknown, he has redeemed you from all of them. So what if you've thrown down your faith in the area of healing? Pick it up again. Amen. See, so what should I do? If you've gotten into unbelief, just repent of it and get back on the Word of God again. The devil hates that. The Lord loves that. Amen. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost, amen, and the power, and how he went around healing all who were oppressed of the devil. Amen. No matter what your experience is, don't elevate it above the Word of God. He, what, forgives all your sins Heals. How many? How many? That's got to be a misprint. See, that's the problem. It's not a misprint. It's not there by accident. It means what it says. The only question is, do we believe it or not? Amen. Glory to God. 
How many like to see uh, more instantaneous miracles and yeah. creative miracles yeah. where, yeah. you know, body parts grow back and yeah. eyes pop into sockets? <laughs> Are you really? It's going to freak some of y'all out. Amen. Well, it'd be all right. Yep. Why would he do that? Because it's not just what he used to do, it's what he's doing yeah. now. Yes. We live in a great time. Yes. You were destined to live in this time. Look, look at somebody and tell them there's more to you than meets the eye. This is God's plan for the end times. Praise God. The miraculous. Say it. He heals all my diseases. He heals all my now, how many of you believe Isaiah 53 is true? Yes. Raise your hand if you believe it's true. I do. The question is, in the age-old theological debate, is healing in the atonement? Now, how many would say emphatically, yes, I believe that, I understand, that's the way it is. My salvation, he, he in fact, by his stripes, we are what? You know The question is, what did the early church think about it? What did they believe as to whether healing was in the atoning work of Christ? Go with me over to Matthew 8. Verse 14, when Jesus came into Peter's house, he saw Peter's mother-in-law lying in a bed with a fever. He touched her hand, and the fever left, and she got up and began to wait on him. Apparently, Jesus was hungry. Yeah. But what happened when sickness ran into the anointed one? The sickness had to bow to that anointing. When evening came, many who were demon-possessed were brought to him. That's just not talk about somebody that's sick coming to your door at 3 o'clock in the morning. How about the demon-possessed showing up? Uh, you say there are no demon-possessed people in America? Are you kidding me? Just turn your television on, you'll see them, amen? Some of them have Democrat by their name, some have Republican by their name. They're demon-possessed. That's the only explanation you can have. They're there. They're just lying dormant. They've learned how to be socially acceptable, religiously acceptable. When they run into the authentic, genuine anointing of God, guess what will happen? They'll manifest. We had a, a women's meeting over at uh, the Trigg County Church several years ago, and uh, Renee Branson came, my sister came, and, and apparently a, a couple of witches decided to show up. And, <laughs> and uh, my sister, being who she is, called them out. Um, good for the Holy Ghost, bad for you if you're not wanting to change right there. Say, so why would they come to a meeting like that? Because oftentimes they'll come to take in the demons that are cast out of other people. They want to increase in their measure. They want to increase in their influence and in their power. But they run into the real thing. They are stripped of that ability to be what we call a human chalice. That's that goal. If you don't think it's real, it's real. It's entirely possible that you run across them every single day. When I was a freshman at Murray State University, the chairman of the English department walked in that stuff. And, uh, I mean, it was just weird being around people that associate with this individual because you could just see those spirits would what? They would clash. The greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And you don't have to have a conversation with them. You just tell them to leave in Jesus' name. And they may whimper, they may scream, whatever. But guess what? The same thing that Jesus told his disciples, he's saying the same thing. Heal the sick. Raise the dead, cast out devils, freely you've received, and freely give. When evening came, many who were demon possessed were brought to him, and he drove out the spirits with a word. It doesn't say anything about a conversation. It doesn't say anything about a marathon session. Yeah, we wrestled with that demon all night long, and it finally came out. That's not what you see in Scripture. Um, he drove them out with a word. And healed a few of the sick. All of the sick. Now watch this. This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. He took up our infirmities and carried our disease. According to Matthew, is there healing in the blood? Yes. yes. I'm going to go with Matthew 
rather than a secessionist theologian in America. Amen. I'm going to go with Matthew on his interpretation of Isaiah. That yes, forgiveness is in the blood, but so is healing. Yes, amen. You know somebody else in the Bible that actually quotes Isaiah? Isaiah says, by his stripes, we are healed. What did Peter say? By his stripes, we were. Let every word be established by two or three witnesses. Two individual apostolic ministers actually saying what? That there is healing in the atoning sacrifice of Jesus Christ. That's a good place to shout right now. Because if that's the case, then you know without any doubt where his will is and where his, his heart is for his people. Amen. Amen. If he ever was a healer, he's still a healer. And what is he saying? Forget not all his benefits. Remember, when you start to forget that it's forgiven of all sin, it's healing of all diseases, remember Start going through your mind all the things he's ever forgiven you of. Can you go back in time and remember some things you were forgiven of? Amen? I mean, a couple of you heathens, raise your hand. Can you remember when you, yeah, he forgave you? You can remember that. Can you also remember when he came through and touched you and you know it wasn't medicine that day, you know it wasn't some concoction from grandma, you know the Lord touched you or you wouldn't have been through that situation. Amen? He's a healer. Remember. And if he's done it before, Right? And here's the deal. It's God's nature to be forgiving. Sending his son to die for you and to me was not plan B, not a reaction of the father. It was a revelation of his nature. It's his nature to show mercy. It's his nature to heal. There is no such thing as God heals to prove he's God. He doesn't care if you believe he's God or not. He is God. He heals as a revelation of his nature. So watch this. The cross is a revelation of his nature. A pathway for you and I to be forgiven and to be healed. Amen. Amen. You know how this goes. Birds fly. Dogs bark. Fish swim. God heals. Come on, do it with me. Birds fly. Dogs bark. Fish swim. God heals. Now, come on, birdie, fly, 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 little birdie. Come on, little birdie, fly. Trust me when I say this. Our blue Merle Alsea Doodle does not need to be encouraged to bark. <laughs> Kelly has a, you know, smartwatch, and it measures unusually loud sounds and gives sound warnings. Watch this. Everybody say dogs bark. I didn't have to talk to him into, into barking. Please bark. Won't you bark? Won't you bark? Won't you bark? Won't you forgive me? Won't you heal me? Won't you heal me? Won't you bark? No. He barks. Um, if he gets out of the cage first, then he wants the other dog out, so he barks. If the other dog gets out of the cage first, then he barks because he's second. Um, this dog's eating something, he wants that. And then if the dog goes over there to eat what he's not eating, he'll go over there. If uh, he's chewing a bone and he sees that Hershey has a bone, he's got to take that bone away. Uh, alpha dog does not begin to describe this dog. This is like, this is alpha male dog on steroids is what this is. And he's cute as a button, but I'm telling you what, he is, he is there. I could tell that he was actually bred, you know, to run ranches in Australia because he's still got that Australian thing going on. Amen? So he'll, he'll bark, and he'll set off that, that alarm. And it has been measured at 100 decibels. Wow. That is a loud mouth now. I've never heard a dog bark like that. But he does. And we didn't have to teach him. Didn't have to beg him. You know? I have never seen a fish that I had to teach swim. It's, just, it's, it's a miracle. Why? Because it's their nature. And you don't have to teach God how to heal or talk God into healing or tell him it's him proving his divinity. It's his very nature. 
Any of them believe that one day? When he took his people out of Egypt, out of bondage, there was not a frail one among them. And when he takes us out of this life, there won't be a frail one among us. We'll be like he is, a glorified body. Watch this, incapable of corruption. Can you believe that? Yes. I mean, it's going to be a great day, isn't it? So in the meantime, let's get everybody we can in the boat. Let's just not keep it to ourselves. Amen. Say, he forgives all my sins and heals all my diseases. Come on, shout out. Dogs bark. Fish swim. Birds fly. Cows moo. God heals. Yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but. That's the problem. You got to yab it. You don't appeal to your experience in life and then throw that onto the scripture to interpret it. Scripture stands by itself. You either believe it or you don't. Let's give him a big hand clap and thank him for it. <laughs> Glory to God. So whatever is going on, just take your faith, pick it up again. I remember that story Keith Lord used to talk about. He said, God, we're believing you for a new car and it's going to come by such and such a day at 12 midnight. And guess what happened? <laughs> a few months went by and when midnight came of that day, the new car wasn't sitting out there in a lot. You know what he did? Threw his faith down. I guess his face up doesn't work. A few days later, the Lord convicted him about that. And he said, Lord, can I, can I pick that back up again? He said, yeah, your problem was is that you had faith in the clock and not in my work. I never told you in such and such date. I just told you to sow and to believe God. And it was a few weeks later, his testimony is that somebody came by and said, the Lord told me to give you this car for your ministry. And it's just like that. The Lord, the breakthrough came in their lives. Your eyes are on the clock, on the checkbook, on circumstances. Your eyes are on the wrong thing. Amen. Don't make me send Bluey over to bark at you. Amen. Say it. God's a healer. You pick your faith back up again. Amen. Are you still breathing? Yes. Then there's time. Amen. Glory to God. Father, we just thank you today for any infirmity, any disease, any sickness, Lord, represented anywhere in this body. We thank you, Lord, for supernatural restoration. We believe what your word says. We believe it's your nature to forgive, to show mercy. We believe it is your nature to heal. And so we thank you tonight, Father, from the simplest thing, the most difficult thing. We call your people sound, whole, and healed from the crown of their heads to the soles of their feet. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you're far from done with your people. Lord, stir them up to make remembrance of what you've already done. Lord, let us remember that your mercies are new every morning, that your faithfulness is great. Father, help us be conscious every day that there is healing in the atonement. If the cross is real, if the blood was shed, then healing has been provided, and we thank you for it today. We praise you and give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Come on, give him a big hand clap and thank him tonight. Praise your Father.